Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is Wednesday in our group learning program, which means we're going to be doing meditation together today. This is breathing mindfulness meditation. This is the number one priority in terms of meditation that the Buddha taught. He taught that this is the meditation that leads to that peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy that we call enlightenment. So this is among all other meditations that he taught. This is the priority. So in this group learning program, we meet on Wednesdays in order to support, encourage, and motivate each other in our meditation practice. One week we do breathing mindfulness meditation. The next week we do loving kindness meditation. I've taught previously a four-part series describing how to actually do breathing mindfulness meditation and what its purpose is and how we gain benefit from using this meditation. And then in today's class, since we're about three and a half months into this program, we're just going to actually do meditation together as a group. I'll open up for questions before we go into meditation and then afterwards as well in order to see if you guys have any questions on meditation itself or really any aspect of your practice at all because it's through asking questions and gaining understanding of the teachings that you can then learn them, reflect on them, and practice them and see the truth for yourself. So in these Wednesdays, I make myself available for all of you guys to ask any questions you like. And you can ask questions on based on the topic that we covered this Sunday or any topic along the line of the path to enlightenment. So I'd like to welcome all of you to our meditation session where we can all do meditation together all over the world, meditating together. So let me pause here and see if there's any questions before we go into meditation. And then I'll pause again at the end of meditation and use the remaining class time in order for us to have any kind of discussion that you guys would like to have. If you'd like to ask a question, you can put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom in the comment section. Our moderators will see that. Or you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like. Hello, teachers. It doesn't seem to be any question for now. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and move right into meditation then. What you'd like to do is take a position where the lower body is comfortable. And if you're on the floor, that might be with cross legs, with something under your rear in order to get your rear up in the air. That'll lessen the angle at the hips, the knees, and the ankles and make it more comfortable for you. If you're in a chair, it means that your feet might be flat on the floor or that you might have them cross at the ankles. There's not just one fixed way of positioning the body during meditation. So I'm giving you a bunch of options here so that you can find what's comfortable for you. 
You're not interested in the body being luxurious, but you're also not interested in it being in pain either. So find a position with the lower body that's comfortable, but not luxurious and not painful. And if you ever notice any pain during meditation, just shift the body in order to ensure that the body's no longer in pain. The hands and arms should be in the lap. You might place your palms on the thighs, on the knees. You might put your arms on the armrest, or the Buddha placed his right hand on top of his left with his thumbs together and then put that in his lap. That helps to relax the arms, the shoulders, the muscles in the hands so that the entire lower body and from the shoulders down can be completely relaxed. Then your upper body should be nice and erect. You would like to engage the muscles around the spine to keep the upper body erect. This helps to engage the mind and keeps it attentive and alert during meditation. The meditation should be an active, dedicated, purposeful training session. So you're actually doing work here. So even though I'm going to be providing guidance along the way, there's a period of time where I'm not going to be giving any guidance so that you can do the work to actually train the mind during this meditation session. So once you've got the lower body, the hands and arms in position, and then you've got the upper body nice and erect in order to keep the mind attentive and alert, next just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Take some nice natural breaths, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Breathing in and out. If you're interested in a nice natural breath, you don't want to control the breath or force it, but just breathe in through the nose. and out through the nose. Your breath may not sync up to the guidance that I'm providing, and that's okay. I'm just here just to kind of give you some guidance along the way, but this is your practice. You're doing the work here. I'm just here to provide some guidance. So breathe in through the nose experiencing the full breath and wherever you get to the exhale go ahead and exhale out through the nose breathing in and out I'm going to do some chanting to ease us into meditation a bit, and then I'll be back with some more guidance. You're welcome to join along in the chants. 
breath, breathing in and out. Now that you have the breath well established, start fixating the mind on the breath, the sound of the breath or the sensation of air moving into the nose. This is the present moment. Fixate the mind in the present moment on the breath. Breathing in. Out. 
and out. Breathing in. In out. Wherever you observe that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go. Come back to the breath. No need to label the thoughts, no need to judge them, no need to even figure out where they're coming from. Whenever you observe that the mind is off the breath, just cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in and out. Breathing in. in, out. Our goal here is not to eliminate the thoughts, but instead to have mindfulness or awareness of mind and develop concentration, singleness of mind, and train the mind that whenever it's off the breath to easily let go of the thought and come back to the breath. Breathing in and out.
As you heard me mention there as we were easing into meditation that the goal of meditation is not to eliminate the thoughts. As long as there's breath and this being is alive, you'll continue to have thoughts. You'll always have thoughts. Even when the mind is enlightened, you'll have thoughts during meditation. But what you'll notice is that the mind will be quieted or stilled where there'll be longer and longer gaps between the thoughts so instead of thought 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 like we might experience when we first get started with meditating as you train with breathing mindfulness meditation in the way that the buddha teaches it'll be thought and you'll observe it right away and you'll be able to easily cut it off let it go and bring it back to the breath and then you'll be in meditation for a long period of time for maybe a few minutes and then there'll be another thought. And then you'll observe it right away. You'll be able to easily cut it off and let it go. So 
it's important that you understand that while we describe this as cutting off the thoughts and letting it go, we're not teaching to eliminate the thoughts because that's impossible. As long as you're alive, as long as this body is alive and there's a consciousness, there's going to be thoughts. So what you'd like to do is quiet the thoughts and still the thoughts. What this does is gives you more control over the mind. We're developing that mental discipline through having right mindfulness or awareness of mind, through practicing right concentration, being able to focus on a single object like the breath, and then applying right effort as the mind moves off the breath, moves off of that single object, we're cutting it off, letting it go, and coming back to the breath. So we're applying right effort there to eliminate the unwholesome qualities and arise the wholesome qualities. So in your meditation, you're gaining this mental discipline where you have more and more control over the mind so that then in daily life, when you're actually out and about and something happens, you can easily observe the mind through mindfulness you can cut that off and let it go if there's something unwholesome that comes to the surface. And you can maintain your concentration or your focus, your clarity of mind in your daily life, whether it's in conversations or meetings or you're focused on a certain task or a certain project. You can have focus and clarity of mind through training the mind in meditation. You then reap the rewards of those benefits in daily life. That now as you're going down the road, maybe you're walking, you're driving, you're in a business meeting, you're in a conversation, you're aware of the thoughts. And if something unwholesome comes up, you can cut it off and let it go and come back to the conversation or come back to wholesome thoughts. So it's really important to understand this, that even though the instruction is cut off the thoughts and let them go, and in meditation, you're letting go of all thoughts, all thoughts, because we're training the mind to easily let them go. But in daily life, we're only cutting off the unwholesome thoughts. When you have wholesome thoughts that come to the mind, this is one of the benefits of clearing out the pollution of mind, that now more and more wholesome thoughts will come to the mind, and you'll be able to have interesting ideas and interesting thoughts, and you'll be able to make wise decisions with a now more purified mind with these wholesome thoughts. So I'd just like to make sure to clarify that as we open up for any questions that you guys might have. If you're in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, you can put those in the comment section, or in Zoom, you can raise your hand electronically and ask any questions that you have. So the pure and pure thought that the mind experiences is a result of eliminating cravings or a result of training the mind while in meditation sessions. Both. Both of those things are, are the same thing. Because in breathing mindfulness meditation, you're knocking down the craving desire attachment, training the mind to no longer have longing with a strong eagerness. And it's in those meditation sessions that you're gaining the discipline, you're gaining the control over the mind. So now you're, you've essentially unraveled the mind. You've now purified it more and more and more. So you don't have these bombardment of thoughts and you're slowing down the mind in meditation, but also outside of meditation too. If you're doing your work outside of meditation and practicing that eightfold path as it relates to all the steps, but particularly in the mental discipline, then you're no longer eating food, watching TV, talking on the phone, doing three, four, five things at a time in your daily life. You're slowing the mind down and just focused on one thing at a time. So this 
gradually trains the mind in meditation and outside of meditation so that you can have more control over it. There's discipline, there's this control that you're able to now quiet the mind and still the mind. So it's a combination of what you're doing in meditation and outside of meditation, and you're eliminating these craving desire attachments. Sometimes the mind experiences stress. The mind is stressed even while meditation sessions. Is this a kind of uh, discontentedness? Yes, stress, anxiety, all those various feelings that come into the mind, that's discontentedness. So if you're feeling stress or pressure, this is the mind putting pressure on itself because of its cravings, because if it wants something, it has expectations, it has this strong eagerness, this longing, then it's going to feel this pressure when it's time to just stop and slow down and do nothing other than focus on the breath. The mind's going to perhaps have this stress because it's having this longing to do something. It's wanting something. So the stress is a another aspect of discontentedness. It's part of a discontent mind. And when you eliminate all craving, desire, attachments, there'll no longer be any stress in the mind whatsoever. This is why the mind is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy because there's no more mental longing. The mind is just in the present moment addressing whatever it needs to address in the present moment rather than having this longing with a strong eagerness or chasing after the objects of its affection and wanting something different. It's instead residing firmly in the present moment, addressing whatever needs to be addressed in the present moment. And therefore, there's no stress. Yeah. Arabash has a question. She says, thank you, Richard David. I have been having some experiences during meditation where I cannot feel my breath. It's really slow and and hardly there. Should I do anything about this? No, in fact, if you're just barely breathing in through the nose and barely breathing out, this is what you'd like, that real nice gradual breath where you're so fixated on the breath, like you say, and there are some situations where you almost don't even realize there's breath coming into the body at all. There's just such peacefulness in the mind that it is just slowly coming in. You know you're breathing, but you almost can't even tell because it's so peaceful. It's almost like being on a cloud, but that's not what you're trying to produce. That's just the experience that we have when the mind isn't longing for the past or longing for the future or having this bombardment of thoughts. It's just completely still in the present moment. Let's go on for Facebook questions. We have a question from Amina. Greetings all. A question about helping children with meditation. As parents, should we give gentle reminders for their meditation practice or allow them the opportunity to find the motivation on their own? Perhaps by meditating in a common room in the house, that will make the parents' meditation more visible and therefore teach by example. All those things are very helpful Amina, it's not one or the other. You know, you can remind your child every once in a while about meditation. You definitely would like to allow them to step forward and do it on their own because we're not interested in forcing them to do it because then they're going to have a negative feeling about meditation. So you would like to let them step forward and do it on their own. And then, as you mentioned, if your meditation practice is visible, they will have a tendency to to follow you. But even Bailan, I've worked with him at different times and helped him build up his meditation practice at different times. But now he he just doesn't meditate here at home. It's really interesting. 
he meditates at school with his friends. They have meditation every morning before class, and he meditates there, but he doesn't meditate here at home. He doesn't have that regular practice. And those parents that have been able to build that up with their children, that's wonderful because your child is benefiting from that. But I think all of those ideas are excellent ideas. We have another question from Parijit on Facebook. Bhante, while doing meditation, it feels like pedaling cycle with thoughts. What should we do then? Continue? It experiences like riding a cycle of thoughts with pedals in a loop. Yeah, this is that cycle, right? This is the cycle of rebirth that the mind is stuck in in the unenlightened state. It just constantly is going around and around and around and around. So the meditation in the entire Eightfold Path is the escape. That's the way to get out of that. So meditation is important. Remember that meditation is highly important, but that's not the only thing you need to be doing. There's work outside of meditation that you need to be doing in terms of the Eightfold Path. So meditation is just one component of a comprehensive life practice. So be sure that not only do you continue your meditation and doing it in the way that I shared here today, but also developing all the other aspects of your practice, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Without a well-developed practice of all eight steps, you're not going to see the improvement until you get all eight factors very well developed and practiced on a consistent ongoing basis. So be sure you access the volume one book that I share. There's links in different places in the Facebook group and other places on the internet. You can go to buddhadailywisdom.com and you can learn with the book. You can learn with the videos, with the podcast. You can come to this online class every Sunday and Wednesday and building up your practice gradually, slowly, but surely, you'll start seeing more results in your practice. And that's the real benefit of the Buddha's teachings is that you're not believing that his teachings are beneficial. You can see the truth for yourself that the condition of the mind is gradually improving. So giving up on meditation or stepping back away from it isn't going to solve the problem. Instead, you got to step forward and engage with the teachings, learning the teachings, and building up a real comprehensive practice. We move on to Hangal's question. Can I do breathing meditation while I'm doing things like watering plants, walking, hiking? No, these are separate. Breathing mindfulness meditation and all meditation is a dedicated, active, purposeful training session where you're either eliminating certain unwholesome qualities from the mind or you're arising wholesome qualities. You're usually doing both of these in any one given meditation session. It's a dedicated, active, purposeful training session. When you're hiking or you're walking or you're gardening or doing all these other things, those are activities that you may enjoy. Those are hobbies. But during that time, you're not actually meditating. During those times, you should have mindfulness or awareness of mind. The Buddha talked about mindfulness being always useful. But in terms of a dedicated, active, purposeful training session, that's either in the seated, lying, standing, or walking positions. And you need to be doing that at least two or three times a day and build up to about 30 minutes or more per day. That's what you'd like to build up to over time. But if all you ever did was went hiking, walking, gardening, and all these things, you wouldn't actually be training the mind towards enlightenment with meditation 
those things are different than meditation. Those are hobbies and activities that we do in our daily life that you may be practicing mindfulness and awareness of mind, but you're not going to be able to actively train the mind through a purposeful training session the way we do with breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and others. So again, just like I was providing guidance to the previous student, is if you read the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment, you'll see chapter 11 is dedicated to meditation. And there's a four-part series that I taught on breathing mindfulness meditation just recently, and it's linked on our YouTube page as well as it's linked here in the book where you can understand what meditation is and what it isn't. And this is a very big misconception in the world that if we're walking or we're driving or we're exercising or doing these other things, we can be meditating as well. But that's not true. We can be practicing mindfulness or awareness of mind, but we can't actually be doing an active, dedicated, purposeful training session like we did today in the seated, standing, lying, or walking positions the way that the Buddha taught. So if you do meditation the way the Buddha taught in order to train the mind, then you're eradicating the pollution of the mind and you're bringing in these wholesome qualities. So we're purifying the mind. But if you're just walking or you're exercising, you're gardening, while these things are definitely beneficial for your life, they're not eradicating pollution from the mind, these unwholesome qualities, and they're not arising necessarily the wholesome qualities that we work to develop through a dedicated purposeful meditation session. Joey has a, um, a comment. I feel like I am following the breath and giving attention to thoughts at the same time. Yeah, so more and more you need to be focusing on the breath and this comes through a well-developed practice. It's a gradual progression to be able to focus on the breath. You can't meditate a few sessions or even a few weeks and immediately see that you're able to focus on the breath 100% of the time throughout the entire meditation session. In fact, even enlightened beings aren't going to be able to focus on the breath 100% of the time during a meditation session. There's still going to be occasional thoughts come into the mind. So it's with gradual training, gradual practice, that you will see gradual progress. So keep focusing on the breath, and wherever you observe that the mind moves off the breath, Cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath. This is eliminating craving, desire, attachment in the mind, which is the cause of discontentedness. And you're arising or cultivating mindfulness, which is awareness of mind. And you're cultivating concentration or focus and clarity of mind. This attention to the breath, being able to focus on just one single object. So that's the goal of this meditation is that you're arising mindfulness and concentration and you're eliminating craving, desire, attachment, which connecting this back to the previous question, you can't accomplish that through the other activities that you're doing. So that's why we're training in meditation, just like an athlete trains with weights and cardiovascular training and other types of training in order to perform their sport at a professional level. Here, what you're doing is you're training in meditation two or three times a day so that in daily life, you've got the benefits of that training that you've been developing through your meditation session. So 
even though right now you might find it challenging or a struggle and there's some days where your mind maybe is a bit more quiet and other days where it's more busy that's completely normal that's the impermanence of meditation it's going to go up and down and up and down until the mind fully eradicates those 10 fetters or those 10 pollutions of mind and you get closer to enlightenment that's where you're going to see the longer and longer periods of peacefulness come into the mind but for some people that's going to be a few years before you actually get to that so this is a life practice it's not a you know couple of times a week or here and there we meditate and we expect to see benefits we need to be meditating every day for two or three sessions a day and then through doing that building up to that 30 minutes or more per session that's where you're going to see the real benefits and then ensure that you're also practicing all the other steps of the eightfold path outside of meditation as well so it's a combination of these things it's not just meditation that is going to bring you all the benefits of the enlightened mind it's what you're doing in meditation is one aspect of that but there's also a work that we do to train the mind outside of meditation as well which is all taught as part of the eightfold path teacher david i had a question regarding breathing mindfulness meditation um, there's uh, more times than not I have uh, when I sit down for meditation. Um, there's a lot of um, physical um, fidgetiness and um, you know, I'm just not settled physically. Um, and then once I begin sitting for breathing mindfulness meditation and applying uh, the practice of cutting the thoughts off at the root, at some point in the meditation, it is noticeable that the fidgetiness just drops. So at some point, I no longer am physically, um, you know, my body isn't reacting or moving or shifting or any of that. Is that a result of applying breathing mindfulness meditation? Or is it simply a result of um, the eyes being closed and not receiving sensory input? or um, the body moving and receiving um, comfort from that movement. Yeah, this is the mind calming down, relaxing, and, and by you training the mind to focus on the breath, it's going to calm the mind. It's actually by letting go of the craving, desire, attachment, and training the mind to focus on the breath, it calms the mind and it also calms the body as well. The ninth fetter is restlessness. And that's that fidgetiness, the restlessness of the mind, the overactivity of the mind. If the mind is overactive, then that's going to come through in the bodily movements. That's why I talk about the mind being the boss and the body being the employee. So whatever is going on with the boss, the employee, the body is just going to follow. So at the beginning of meditation, it sounds like your mind is probably more busy, more active. And that's why the body is also fidgety as well. And then as the mind gets more training and you start getting more control over it, more discipline as part of the meditation, that's why the mind is more calm, but then the body calms down as well because the mind is the boss, the body's the employee. Would the onset of, of my meditations beginning with no fidgetiness be an indicator that breathing mindfulness meditation on a consistent basis is working. Would the ideal be that there isn't any fidgetiness physically or would that continue and just um, 
sort of take its own course in my meditation practice. By the time you get to enlightenment, you need to eradicate that ninth fetter of restlessness. And that's where by calming the mind and training the mind, having discipline over the mind, the mind is now peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. So there's no fidgetiness in the body because the mind isn't overactive. It's very steady. It's very stable. And there's not all this overactivity. So the body will calm down as you train to eliminate this craving, desire, attachment from the mind. So the indication that you're breathing mindfulness meditation is working is that you'll see the discontentedness of the mind in daily life diminish. You'll see that in your meditation will diminish. And yeah, you'll see less fidgetiness and ultimately fidgetiness in the body will be eliminated 100% because as the mind becomes very stable and steady, the body will become stable and steady as well. But remember, this isn't like a clean trajectory up to enlightenment like this. This is oftentimes what we envision. So if we experience a few weeks or a few months of really calm mind and we observe that things are feeling really peaceful in the mind, then when things get shaken up, we feel like something's wrong. But there's nothing wrong there. All that's happened is impermanence, that universal truth of impermanence that the mind has been shaken up a bit because it's not yet enlightened. So if we feel this calmness come into the mind and it's there for a few days or a few weeks, and then all of a sudden you notice in your meditation or outside of meditation that things are shaken up a little bit, that doesn't mean that there's anything necessarily wrong. You just observe that, okay, the mind is more shaken up, it's more active than normal, and you just stay dedicated to your practice of everything that created that calmness and that even trajectory where things were headed. When you go through that little rocky period, you just understand that that's impermanent. It may be a few days, a few weeks, it may even be a month or two that you experience that rockiness, but you stay dedicated to the practice. This is where the confidence in the Buddha, the confidence in the teachings, the confidence in the community, the confidence in your teacher and the confidence in your own ability to attain enlightenment really comes in because when you experience that rockiness after experiencing the peacefulness, the mind has a tendency to crave that peacefulness again. And it doesn't like this shaking up of your practice. And what you've got to do is not crave that peacefulness that you once had. And when you experience that rockiness, just know that that's part of the whole journey that you'll experience these periods that will happen and what you'll notice is the peacefulness will become longer and longer and the rocky periods will become less and less and less and less frequent as well not only less in duration but less frequent there are lots of key points that you help clarify thank you teacher david you're welcome Manon. when someone who experiences some pain in the back room while meditation those tend to use a pillow or uh, bend to the wall while meditating. Is this a kind of kind of attachment? If there's physical pain in the body and you need something in order to alleviate that, like a pillow or just leaning up against the wall, that's fine. That will help you because what you're not interested in is just experiencing pain, 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 pain in the mind throughout your meditation because the goals and objectives that you're trying to accomplish in meditation with breathing mindfulness meditation is to arise mindfulness or awareness of mind, arise concentration and eliminate craving, desire, attachment. It's very hard to do those things 
when you're experiencing pain, 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 pain. And then when we do loving kindness meditation, you're trying to arise this loving kindness and eliminate this anger, hatred, and ill will. It's very hard to do that when all you feel is pain, 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 pain. So if leaning up against a wall or having a little backrest or a little pillow helps you to to alleviate the pain, then go for it. If you can move to the point where you don't need those things, that would be ideal. But there's some of us that are upper age or getting older and our body isn't feeling as comfortable as it did when we were younger. And these things are going to be needed. And that's just, once again, part of impermanence that not every single person is going to be able to meditate based on their own physical strength. There's going to be people as we age that are going to need a little backrest or going to need a a lean up against a wall, but you don't want to really indulge in that and really soak into it to the point where now the mind goes from pain to completely luxurious either. You would like to still maintain that middle way where the body and the mind is comfortable, where it's not luxurious, it's not painful, but it's comfortable and you can still keep the mind active and attentive during your meditation session so that then you can arise the wholesome qualities that you're looking to arise in each individual meditation and you can work on eliminating the unwholesome qualities that are important to eliminate as part of each meditation. As for a parent who is interested in teaching their children uh, to meditate, uh, how can a parent teach their children to start meditating? It depends on the age. You know, you would like to probably talk to the child. You probably let them know about your benefits and what you're experiencing with meditation. Uh, If they're really young, like two, three, four years old, they can easily be in the room crawling around while you're meditating. They will tend to kind of mimic you when they observe that you're meditating. And you can try to encourage them just like you encourage them to brush their teeth and take a shower and things like this. But it's important that you do it with a positive tone and you don't try to force them. Where with brushing their teeth and taking a shower, we need to make sure they do that every single day. We're not going to let them go a day or two or three without taking a shower, brushing their teeth. With meditation, you need to understand that it's a gradual progression. So that's why with like Bailan, there's been periods of times where he's meditated for a few weeks or for a few months consistently. And then he's gotten to a point now where he just doesn't feel like meditating and he's not interested in meditating. So I don't push him because he knows the benefits of meditation. He's learned it. He's done it before. He knows that he's not going to be able to get to enlightenment without meditation. So if he would like to choose to not meditate, then that's his choice. And he's got to experience the results of those decisions. So in situations where he's discontent, then those are good reminders for him. You know, okay, see if you were meditating, you wouldn't be experiencing that discontentedness. So gradually work with your children but at the same time let them make their own choices as well because if they make their own choice to meditate and it's their choice then that's a sustainable decision where if they're being forced to do something they don't really want to do it then they're not going to maintain it so when we come to a decision on our own and that's our own decision that we've come to as an individual human being then we're making that decision for a certain reason and now it's going to be sustainable where if someone tries to coerce us or force us into making a decision then we're only going to do it as long as the coercion and the pressure is there 
as soon as that's not there anymore, then we're not going to do it and we're going to have a negative view of it. So that's why it's important to allow your children to make decisions towards meditating on their own. And as they see the benefits in it, then they can choose to do it on their own with your encouragement and your support. Well, it seems that for most practitioners or many practitioners, that the motivation to start meditating is the lack of concentration, lack of focus, uh, mindfulness, uh, discontent, a lot of discontentness in the mind. But I think it's different for a child, right? You can still explain these same things to a child because when Bailan was meditating the most, that was prior to him learning a lot of the teachings that he knows now. So when I first started working with him at the age of six, his mind was discontent. He had challenges where he would cry when his toys would break or him and his mom would sometimes have trouble talking to each other and have rough conversations or, you know, he would want certain things really badly. And I think the challenge for him now is he's gotten so far away from discontentedness that he very rarely experiences discontentedness at all. And that's why he doesn't have the motivation to meditate is because he's probably eliminated 99.9% of his discontentedness. So he doesn't really have the motivation to have a consistent meditation practice. So it's still the same that children still experience discontentedness. But in Bailan's case, because I was able to guide him in other ways to eliminate his craving, desire, attachments, that he didn't have to do as much meditation because his dad was helping him to eliminate these cravings in other ways. All right. So thank you all for joining. Thank you all for learning. Thank you all for developing your practice because as you learn and develop your meditation practice and all the steps on the Eightfold Path, then the condition of your mind only gets better. The relationships around you and the people close to you, they only experience more benefits. And then, of course, all of humanity just continues to improve to get more and more peaceful as you are causing less and less harm in the world. So thank you all for your meditation practice, whether you're doing it together as a group like this or doing it individually on your own. On Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 14 of this book. We're going to be discussing chapter 14, which is titled Cultivating Healthy Mental States, Loving Kindness, Compassion, Sympathetic Joy, and Equanimity. So there I'm going to be teaching you what those four mental states are, how to cultivate them, and then what those four mental states transform. Because the Buddha didn't teach these mental states just for the heck of it. There's actually aspects of our mind that are unwholesome, that by bringing these wholesome mental states into the mind, that then through these healthy mental states, you're actually eliminating certain unwholesome qualities of mind. So that'll be a great discussion to have on Sunday. And remember, you can always read the book before class, after class, or before and after class. And this is a really short chapter. I think it's only two or three pages long. So it's a really easy read. And then next Wednesday, we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation together. So I'll see you either on Sunday or Wednesday, maybe both of those days. In the meantime, have a lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. 
There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.